For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Richard Vanderbloom, and we're going to explore the LinkedIn algorithm and how to leverage the LinkedIn algorithm to maximize your exposure on this amazing platform. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter slash X. Yes, I don't know how to describe it yet. Also, if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Richard Vanderbloom. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Richard Vanderbloom. If you don't know who he is, you need to know Richard. He is a social selling strategist. His agency is called Just Connecting, and he helps sales and marketing teams build awareness and leads using LinkedIn. He's also the author of the LinkedIn Algorithm Report. Richard, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me, Michael. I'm super excited you're here. Today, Richard and I are going to explore how to take advantage of the LinkedIn algorithm to maximize your exposure. Now, I will tell you, I've never covered the LinkedIn algorithm in an entire episode, so I'm really excited to dig in today. But before we do, Richard, I want to hear your story. How'd you get into LinkedIn? Start wherever you want to start. Well, I signed up in 2005, believe it or not. At that time, I was working at a staffing agency in the Netherlands. And it was part of my onboarding program where we had a sales trainer from the United States. And when we had a drink at the first night at the bar, he told me like, have you heard about LinkedIn? And I said, no. He said, well, that's the new thing. You need to be on LinkedIn. So the day after, I remember I signed up and I started to invite people that I know, like colleagues, friends. And I remember that like, I think 95% responded like, don't send me this like spam because what the hell is this, you know? Because I mean, 2005, LinkedIn literally just started. So quietly disappointed, I canceled my account. And in 2006, I moved to do some volunteer work in Tanzania. And at the end of that year, I was there on my computer in internet cafe and I went back to LinkedIn and I signed up again. And that's why I started to like network with people in Holland actually with the idea to find a new job via LinkedIn and to send some messages like, hey, I'm coming back in two months, I'm looking for a job. So those were my two first encounters. So the first thing was 2005, I think it was January, very early. I was amongst the first 2 million or 1.5 million members. And then I signed up again in 2006. So keep going with the story. I did get a job via LinkedIn, not via LinkedIn in a way that we know it now, but at least I, I made some contacts and those people invited me for chat. So that was my next job in sales and marketing. And then I 
started in 2009. I started my own company, which is still just connecting. And basically what I saw, I worked a lot with freelancers, interim managers, solo entrepreneurs. And what I saw is that actually nobody likes to sell him or herself. You know, we don't like to have this uncomfortable approach where we need to reach out to someone and say, hey, do you have a job or a project? But I also noticed that if you put an expert, like if you skip that first step and you bring them to the table to talk about their, their, their knowledge, their expertise, everybody feels very comfortable. And I, re- I, I saw a big chance for LinkedIn to help those people to skip the first step. So to do this first step digitally via LinkedIn, via networking, and then if somebody got interested in your services, then create the first meeting. So what I did, I'm talking about November 2009, I, I booked a hotel, I booked a conference room in a hotel, I started like a very nitty gritty website, and I said, okay, LinkedIn training for solo entrepreneurs, freelancers, how to get your next assignment. And that was December 2009, actually my first LinkedIn training. There were 20 people. I mean, LinkedIn, it cannot even be compared to the network it is now. I mean, there were no sales navigator products. There were no recruiter product. It was basically a digital Rolodex where you can put like your resume and your contact details and start networking. Still, it was a very successful training and people really were very surprised about all the possibilities. And that's when I realized like, hey, instead of having this agency where you do sales training or social media training, let's focus on LinkedIn because there was like a massive possibility for those kind of services back then. Yeah. And, you know, I started Social Media Examiner in 2009 and I remember in October of 2009 and I remember it was pretty much Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook. That was it, you know, as far as the majors. Okay. So somewhere along the line, you started publishing a report. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So... Our company moved from being a, a generic social media training and consultancy agency. In 2014, we decided to do 100% LinkedIn. So instead of being the generalist on social media, we focus on being the specialist that helps companies with LinkedIn. And that was one of the best choices I've made in my, in my business life because that was the moment that also like corporates, enterprises started to contact us and say like, hey, we need help. And one of the things that a lot of marketing departments needed help with was to understand basically how the organic reach worked on LinkedIn. I mean, if you look at the the paid, the advertisement, it doesn't differ very much from Facebook or all the other platforms. But to get organic reach, LinkedIn is very different from all the other platforms. And I had a Canon, for example, a company that reached out to us and said, I'm talking about 2018. They reach out to us, they say, like, please help us understand why if we publish this really cool white paper that addresses all the challenges and trends that our clients need, why we get like 5,000 views. And if one week after we publish a photo of our colleagues from the sales team doing the half marathon of Boston, that it blows up and it gets like 40, 50,000 views. We don't get it. Okay. And we want it to be like the other way around, you know, like 5,000 views for the marathon, 50,000 views for the white paper. And we had a gut feeling about the algorithm back then because we were trying a lot and we, we kind of knew what was going on, but we didn't have the data to back it up. And that's where I started to think and also like discuss with my team. Like LinkedIn is not very open about the algorithm. None of the social media platforms is, you know, every now and then they release like a little, little like uh, detail or if they have like a big shift, they will like publish an article or a blog about it, but like really in-depth algorithm information you don't find. 
So I hooked up with a guy I knew from the Open University who is actually a professor both in market research and statistics. And I said, I need help because I don't have the tools. I don't have the manpower to do it. But like we want to research the algorithm. And he basically made a student project out of it. So he, he assembled like six, seven very smart students. And he said, give me the questions and I'll come back to you with like the answers. And, you know, we invested in some tooling. And that resulted back in 2019 to the publication of the first LinkedIn algorithm report. And it was, I think it was 12 or 13 pages. It went really cool. We had like 400,000 views on LinkedIn. It was downloaded a lot. But this was the first time that like we managed to give our audience, but also clients an insight and hey, what is working? What isn't working? And how can you adjust your content strategy to the current rules of the algorithm. I love that. At Social Media Examiner, we've been publishing an annual report called the Social Media Marketing Industry Report since 2009. I think we're on the 14th edition, maybe the 15th edition. It doesn't look at the algorithms. Instead, it just looks at the nature of the industry and what marketers want. And I got to tell you, publishing a really thoughtful research study is so valuable. And I think it's awesome that you're doing that. Okay, so there's some people listening right now who are loving your story but they're not convinced that LinkedIn is where they ought to be. And the reason I know that is because of the studies that I do, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok to a lesser extent. These are kind of platforms that a lot of people are focused on. Why should those who are not specifically active on LinkedIn or those who have abandoned LinkedIn, why should they come back? Why is it important for business? Well, that's an interesting question. And I, I also think in the question you mentioned to target audiences, those who never went to LinkedIn because they thought it's like boring, I don't need a new job. And those who were there, nothing happened and they moved to Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat or wherever they moved. First of all, we, we're talking about almost 1 billion members worldwide. Okay, so LinkedIn is the only platform. You mentioned Twitter and Facebook. They all started back in 2003. Like LinkedIn actually had it May this year, like the 20th anniversary. LinkedIn is the only platform that never stopped growing. Okay, Facebook reached its peak and went down. Twitter reached its peak, went further down. LinkedIn never stopped growing. I'm talking about members, but also about activity. Um, one of the main reasons that I see a lot of people now loving LinkedIn is the potential high organic reach that you can get in very, very limited time. I've literally seen new content creators come to LinkedIn like in the past year and gain 100,000 followers only with, with organic content in less than 12 months. Okay, that's almost impossible on all the other social media platforms. Even people like Gary Vaynerchuk, he was very, very surprised. He turned to LinkedIn about three years ago and he was very surprised about the successes he had there and, and, and the rapid organic growth that he could make. Another thing is, if you talk about trust, and now I'm moving a bit to maybe the seller buyer, maybe into a B2B environment. But if you talk about the trustworthy of a platform, like the percentage of trust, LinkedIn is still at 87%. So that means that 87% of people that look at LinkedIn to find valuable information about suppliers, about their industry, about trends, value the information as trustworthy. This percentage for Facebook has dropped below 40%. Okay, so if people read something on Facebook, they go like, yeah. But on LinkedIn, it's very like, you don't see a lot of content that is not backed up by stats, facts, or research. And then again, I think LinkedIn is also a platform that you can use for various purposes. So a lot of people still refer to it as, as it's a job platform. 
I really disagree with all those people that that are saying like LinkedIn came from a bit from a job platform and emerged into a business platform. I've never seen LinkedIn as a job platform. I've seen it as a digital network platform where you can keep in contact with your network. In 2023, if you need a job, you turn to LinkedIn. If you're a B2B marketer, you need to be on LinkedIn. If you're a B2B sales guy, you need to be on LinkedIn to because they're that's really where your decision makers are. If you want to be a thought leader in your industry, LinkedIn and its influence on Google is the place to be. So I think there are really a lot of reasons why people cannot underestimate or maybe not even afford not to be present on LinkedIn. For those who left, I think they left in a period maybe pre-pandemic. So I'm talking about four or five years ago where you could see that the content was actually a bit dull, a bit boring. It was all very corporate. LinkedIn was focusing a lot on their paid products, both for recruiters, marketers, and salespeople. So people felt like I'm no longer part of my network. But actually, the pandemic and all the you know the serious stuff that happened with the lockdowns and people starting to work from home and people starting to share personal stories, where a lot of people would normally refer like, hey, this is Facebook content and this is not LinkedIn content. But it really changed the way how we create, publish, and consume content on LinkedIn. So for me, it has become so much more interesting over the last three years to be on LinkedIn. I mean, I can not only see the white paper of my clients, but I can also see that he has the same dog, the same breed as I have. I can see that he goes to the same countries as I go because people are sharing much more of their personal life and, and there is much more storytelling going on. So it, it, it has become a much more interesting platform to be on. Since Microsoft acquired LinkedIn, I don't remember what year it was. Was it pre-COVID? I'm trying to remember. Have you seen a lot of changes or have they just kind of enhanced a lot of the things that already existed? Yeah, it was 2016. So it was pre-pandemic. 2016 for $26 billion. So imagine, you know. Yeah, I've seen, especially in the first years, I've seen a big focus on their paid products. Okay, so like, obviously, like Microsoft owns the working population across the globe. And they knew that a lot of the working population were present on LinkedIn. So they invested in like LinkedIn Recruiter evolved into like a must-have tool. Sales Navigator has so many like awesome new features over the past three, four years that you like, it's it's actually the, 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 the most requested training for us at the moment, Sales Navigator. That was until like 2016, 2019. I think the focus was really there. Like, Let's make money and let's make the paid products more interesting for the target audience. Now, over the last three years, I also see that there is a lot of new changes, even also for the people who use LinkedIn for free. So I think especially the, the development power that Microsoft brought to LinkedIn has created like this amazing platform that we can use today. Perfect. Okay. Let's talk about some of the mistakes, the pitfalls that marketers make with their content and maybe you could just lay out a couple without telling us how to solve it yet. We'll get there eventually. But what are some of the big mistakes that you see people making? Well, there are various. First of all, treating LinkedIn like any other social media platform. I think that's probably one of the biggest mistakes. You know, we come from an era, I think it's five, six, maybe four years ago, where marketers would have these tools like Buffer, Hootsuite, and create a post and then send to all the social media platforms, you know, and that might work for Facebook and you might adapt it for Twitter or Instagram. It doesn't work for LinkedIn because of the different algorithms. So you need to treat LinkedIn on its own. You need to understand the ecosystem, the algorithm. Like if you're going to copy paste content that you use in your other social networks, it's not going to work. 
maybe also relying too much on corporate content and advertisements, paid content. Probably the biggest reason why, why some companies still struggle to see conversion. Then also what I consider a mistake, I do have some discussions with some of our marketing clients. Some still struggle with adapting their content strategy to how LinkedIn has changed. So they still use it for only like the corporate messages, like the thought leadership content, the you need to buy our stuff content, you need to download our white paper content. So they forget about storytelling. They forget about humanizing their brand. And then, and maybe that's not specifically falling in, but also I see a lot of marketing focusing on the wrong goals and the wrong KPIs. Okay. So if you focus on the wrong goals, if you set the wrong KPIs, in the end, you will see like less views, less engagement and less conversion. Yeah, it's funny because obviously the job of marketing is to generate more eyeballs, more leads and more sales. And the sales side of it is the part that's fuzzy, right? Because in the olden days, I remember on all the social platforms, you could just post a link to a blog post and get massive traffic to your website and hopefully have a pop-up on there that would generate leads and then you get them on the newsletter and then you would eventually sell to them, right? That was considered a viable option. But on the other side of things, if you did have a product you were selling, it was fine to actually actively just say, hey, here's our product, we have a sale. But it seems that that is definitely not viable in organic content anymore, maybe even in paid content. Would you find that to be true? Yeah, although I, I disagree that on LinkedIn, the goal for marketing should be to generate leads because it's, it's almost impossible. It has become almost impossible. I have a big slide that I bring into all the events I'm, I'm, I'm going as a keynote speaker about LinkedIn and LinkedIn marketing and sales. And it's like, what is the main objective? What is the main goal of marketing? And it only says brand awareness. Increase brand, get the name and your solutions out to as many prospects possible, but don't try to generate leads from a corporate profile. Because it's not working. LinkedIn advertisement has a very low conversion rate. But if marketing does their job on brand awareness and they align, and I really mean align with sales, and they take this content and they make it their own. So they add their own tone of voice. They do some storytelling. And sales has the main objective to create, like generate leads. So marketing is there for brand awareness. Get out the name a few times. And then on an individual level, your salespeople need to follow up, need to reach out. And then people go like, hey, wow, this is cool. Social media marketing. I've heard of you already two, three times. I saw your post. That's what marketing needs to do. So if I reach out to you, if I want to uh, try and sell you something, you must have seen our names already two or three times because of marketing's content. That's the game marketing and sales needs to play nowadays. Because if you rely on marketing to generate leads, it will be probably paid advertisement because organic reach for companies is almost non-existing. Okay, that's also non-existing. It was four years ago. If you look to your feed on LinkedIn, about eight to nine percent of all posts would come from organic company content. Nine percent four years ago. Now we're below two percent. So that means one hundred posts, and not even two posts are from companies. And since people do an average scroll on LinkedIn from sixteen posts. Company visibility, organic content is almost non-existing. So that means that marketing needs to go to paid advertisements. And there we have the problem that our clients are not on LinkedIn to be sold something. They're on LinkedIn to keep up with their network, to uh, be updated on the industry. So the number of prospects that you reach by having this lead generation advertisement is very low. So it's your salespeople that need to like build relationships 
follow up on the content. That That's the game they need to play. Very good message. Okay, let's talk about the algorithm. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. How does the algorithm work? Go ahead and just start breaking it down. Yeah, so first of all, before we really dive into the algorithm, there is some background information that's very valuable. So first of all, I don't know the numbers for the other platforms, Michael. Maybe you can fill me in on that. But on LinkedIn, there's only 1%, not even actually, but let's let's make it a 1% of the people that publishes a post at least once a month. Wow. I mean, we're talking about 940 million people and not even 10 million people publish at least once a month. Wow. Then second group, 5% of the people have published at least one post in the last three months. This is what LinkedIn calls content creators. To me, it doesn't make sense. I mean, if I hit a repost two months ago and I haven't been publishing anything, I officially count as a content creator, okay? Then the next line is 16% of the people, one 6% of the people. They don't publish themselves because they don't want to, they don't know how, but they do engage with your content. So those are the people that give you a like, give you a comment, give you a repost. We call them your content ambassadors, okay? Because of their engagement, your post grows. And then we have above 60% of all LinkedIn members. They don't publish content. They don't engage with your content. So they don't want to click like, comment, or repost, but they do consume your content, okay? So those are the people that scroll, they screen, they watch your video, they click on your link, but they will not show their gratitude or their engagement by clicking on any of the buttons, okay? We call them the silent community. That's something that every marketer needs to understand. 60% of all LinkedIn users, silent community. This means not that those people are not active. They can be active every day, but you don't see what they are doing because they're just consuming the content. 95% of your clients is there in the silent community. And they will watch your video, they will click on your link, and they will do so for months until they reach the point that they feel confident enough to reach out to you. And this is where you get an email or a connection request from a client starting like, hey, Richard, I've been following your content for several months now. I really want to have a chat about blah, blah, blah. And if I go back to this person, we are not connected. He never engaged. This is a silent community. This is unique. No other social media platform has this huge pool of people. When LinkedIn discovered this, when LinkedIn discovered that there's a huge community that doesn't engage, they knew that their traditional algorithm, which was based on likes, comments, shares, like all the social media platforms, it needed an upgrade. And that's where they invented and implemented dwell time. Okay, dwell time is maybe one of the most important ingredients of the LinkedIn algorithm. It means that LinkedIn now counts how long does your post stay in the screen of your reader. Okay, so if somebody starts scrolling and your post catches his eye and he stops, if he needs one minute to read your post and the post is one minute in the screen, it means that you get additional reach from LinkedIn because they see, hey, the silent community is actually consuming your content. I don't know if you recall this, Michael, but after the first three, four sentences, lines in a post, LinkedIn now puts see more. Okay, this is something they did about four years ago. Okay. So this is also there because this is the only way how LinkedIn can really measure the activities of the silent community because 
Sign-in community, they want to read. If they find something valuable, they want to continue reading. So they have your first three lines and they go like, click on see more. This is something LinkedIn measures. The post is there entirely in your screen and then they count again the seconds, okay? So keeping people engaged as long as possible on your post and making them click on see more is very, very important. Then once you hit publish, and this is both for company pages, also individual page, in the first 60, maybe 90 minutes, LinkedIn is going to test your post. And they do this with an inner circle of your network, okay? It's more like a, a test panel, okay? On average, on an individual profile, it's about between 6 and 8% of your connections, okay? So if you have, let's say, a 1,000 connections, it means in the first hour, LinkedIn shows this post to 60 to 80 people. Those are the people who previously engaged with your post, okay? Those are your new connections. So those are the people that are the most likely to give you engagement. Based on their activities, it can go either way. So first, they engage, they like, they comment, they click in the first 60 minutes, and LinkedIn goes, wow, this post is relevant, this post is very good. So they're going to increase your reach amongst your network, but also outside, meaning your second, third degree network. Unfortunately, the opposite can also happen. You know, you lack engagement the first 60, 90 minutes. LinkedIn goes, wow, we showed your post to your inner circle. They don't find it very interesting. And then they will start to fade out your post from the feed. You will not get notified, but it can well be that you created a post in the morning and at the end of the day, it's no longer visible in the feed of your connections based on the lack of engagement in the first 60, 90 minutes. The keyword in the algorithm is interaction, okay? Interaction means not a like, not even a repost. Interaction means the more comments you get on LinkedIn, and I'm talking valuable comments, not like a comment that says, great post, Michael, thank you, but really like, hey, Michael, that's an awesome study you have shared. In addition, I want to share one or two. So really comments that spark a conversation, the more you get of those, and the more you as an author reply to those, the more additional reach your post gets. Then we, do, we don't need to underestimate that there are also a lot of negative engagement signals on LinkedIn. So that means that, for example, people click on your video and within six seconds, they stop the video. That's a negative signal. Or people unfollow you because of your post. Or people that you have tagged will not reply or even worse, will remove the mention. Okay. So there are a lot of negative engagement signals that if LinkedIn sees that one post gets a lot of negative engagement signals, they will lower the reach or they will like stop the growth of your post. And this is also why a lot of people now are trying to gamify the algorithm by using engagement bots. You know, you have the manual engagement bots, which could be like a WhatsApp group where you put like 50 people. And you say, hey, if you publish something, put a link in the WhatsApp group. And everybody, please engage. But there is a whole industry that came up with LinkedIn engagement bots. If you Google it, you have various. And you just buy a subscription. You enter a group of like-minded people. And you just put the link there. And everybody auto-engages. So it's not really engaged. It's automated engagement. Likes and even comments. Well, and my guess is the algorithm is smart enough to know that that's a bunch of baloney, right? Yeah, there are two things. And I, I'm quite honestly, I'm very happy with that. There are two things. First of all, engagement pods are officially forbidden. So if LinkedIn detects that this is happening, and of course they can detect it because if your first 50 likes are always from the same people, they understand that you're using engagement pod. If you get above average engagement every time on your post in the first, let's say, 10 minutes, they understand that you are using an engagement pod and they can ban 
or even restrict access to LinkedIn. And the second one, that's why I said two minutes ago that if you provide a comment, make it a personal one, make it a, like, I always say use at least 12 words because engagement bots, since they are not able to read the post, they only comment with things like great article, great share, thank you for this post. So it's all short. So if LinkedIn detects that you get a lot of short comments on your post, they might think that you are using an engagement bot. Okay, so I'm very happy with everything LinkedIn does to kill the engagement bot. I'm very happy with that. Well, and these used to exist on Instagram back in the day and Instagram made them illegal as well. And it's definitely like a scammy kind of thing. Okay, a couple quick questions related to the LinkedIn algorithm. Let's talk about text posts and let's talk about links and some of the other stuff. Like, first of all, Links, no links. Should we include links? Can we include links? Let's start there. And then let's talk about text posts. I think the story with the link is maybe the most received question over the last 10 years. Because every now and then, it seems that LinkedIn changes policy. Again, they don't communicate. But until two years ago, I always said like, okay, just put a link in the original post. It's true that you see less reach, okay? All independent studies, not only our studies, but all independent studies show that posts with external links in the core body get like 50, if you're lucky, 60% of your normal reach. I have the same with my own content. There are two reasons for that. My reason is that LinkedIn doesn't want us to go away from the platform. And if you put a link and people click, they lose a member, okay? And their marketing value is also based on the average session time that people spend. If you kill the session time, you kill LinkedIn's marketing value. LinkedIn officially says that's not true. And they say there's another reason. And I do believe that reason as well, Michael. They say if people are scrolling their feet, they do that because they want to stay up to date what their network is doing. And at that moment, they don't want to be brought to your website because they leave the purpose of what they were doing to being like updated on their network. I do the same. If I scroll and I think that's an interesting post with a link, I save the post for when I have the time to come back and to consume the post. But in the moment, I just keep scrolling. I don't click on external links. So that's why they say like, okay, you get less views. Clarifying question, text post. Let's say I've got a multi-paragraph text post and I've got them see more. And below there, inside the text post, I've got a link, but it's not like the open graph data pulling in the link, you know? Does that work? Can you have a longer text post with a reference link in, or any kind of link? It, it's smart. Any kind of link. Okay. Any kind of link. And the funny thing is, even internal links seems to be punished. So for example, if you write a blog post, a long article, you know, that used to be on Pulse, or you have a newsletter that is content, long-form content that you publish on the LinkedIn platform, even if you create a post that refers to that internal link, you see the same 50, 60%, which would make sense because that means that LinkedIn is right and say like people don't want to click on a the link, they just want to continue scrolling. What I'm currently advising, and I do it myself, is to put the link in the first comment. Okay, but it depends on the goal of your post. Okay, for example, if you want to use LinkedIn to promote a webinar and you have the sign up link, then I would always include an original post. Okay, so I know I get less reach, but my goal is to like literally get people to sign up and hiding the link in the first comment, especially if you get multiple comments from other people, the, the first comment might not be yours because. There is no pinned comment feature anymore on LinkedIn. So you cannot have your comment for sure as the first comment to be seen. 
So if you have a great post, you say like the link is in the first comment and you get like 10 additional comments, your, your link might get lost, which means that people need to do two or maybe three additional clicks. And if you do that for a webinar sign up, it kills the conversion. Okay, so webinar sign up, put the link in the original post. But if you say like, I want to drive people to a blog that we have on the website, I would literally advise people to put it in a comment and say like, I create a post, I make it very triggering, I give people one or two insights and I say like, hey, if you wrote, would like to read the entire article with three, four more of these insights, see the first comment for the link to the post. And then the algorithm doesn't recognize or they, they simply the algorithm says, hey, this is a text post because the algorithm does not dive into the comments. Okay, so that's at this moment something that is working for us, our own company, but also for a lot of our clients is working pretty well. On a lot of the social platforms, especially Facebook, you can put a very short, compelling declarative statement or question inside these background graphics, right? Like I just recently talked about how I'm not a fan of Twitter changing their name to X and changing the X on my phone and I couldn't find my Twitter app. You know what I mean? And it was like, it screwed me up a little bit. And I created a very short, like it's clearly was like two lines of text and it created an amazing engagement because it was, you know, a timely thing. And, and, but on LinkedIn, I think that you're telling me that based on the conversations we've had previous to this interview, the longer text is kind of important. Is that correct? Yeah. And it all comes back to, uh, to dwell time. As I said before, the longer people stay on your post, the more additional reach you get. So if you have this like really short text post with three, four lines, people read, maybe you even don't get a see more button, you know, because that's after the first three, four lines. Whereas if you have a really well-crafted text post, you know, that gets the attention, then triggers people into, into keep reading. Um, you see about 50% more reach compared to uh, if you have a smaller text post. Definitely. Does that mean we can just use carriage returns instead of a big paragraph to kind of get it? Or does it have to do with the total characters to get to the see more? How does that work exactly? It has to do with the, with the lines. So I always advise people to write at least eight lines text. Okay. But of, of course, like a blank line or even like, like some spaces can also work, but they count characters. So they count lines. What about asking for people to comment? Is that good? Is that bad? Yeah, that's interesting because that's actually an article. I think it was about eight, nine months ago that LinkedIn actually published in one of their own blogs that explicitly asking for people to engage would result in a penalty. They didn't call it a penalty, but they said will not be rewarded by the algorithm, which for me is a penalty, clearly. So having explicit call to actions like, and we all know this, no, from back in the days with a- Let me know what you think. I mean, is that considered an explicit call to action? I would love to hear no, your thoughts. No, no, okay. no, no, that's a very good call to action. Okay. But if you say like, put- white paper as a comment and I will contact you to send the white paper. That's gamification of the algorithm. Okay. So I see. Okay. And, and they said, officially they said they saw that it was on the rise and they adjusted the algorithm not to be in favor of that. But in all honesty, if I see posts where people explicitly ask for it, like, like the example I just gave, I still see a lot of engagement because if you get thousands of people to put like white paper in a comment, Obviously, it, it gets spread a lot. And I don't think that LinkedIn, and especially not the algorithm, can stop the spread of those posts. I always try to do it subtly. I always uh, refer my classes to a call to think or a call to feel. Like We all know the traditional call to action. But the problem with a call to action is that it might be too commercial. Like You have this great post, and then you really 
killed your own post by having at the end, like, if you want to discuss your challenges with me, uh, send me a message, okay? And nobody's going to do that because they know, like, hey, this guy just created a post with the only goal to generate leads. So I'm not going to even like this post. This is what's happening a lot. You can kill the engagement on your post by having a, a CTA that's way too commercial. So instead of that, I always advise people, go for a call to think or a call to feel. So make people feel the pain. Like, I just published an article about the latest four trends in social selling. And I like my call to think was like, what would happen to your digital lead generation if your company is not able to adapt to those trends? That's a call to think. People go like, hey, we need to do that because if not, we are a problem. Or like call to feel. Like, have you experienced less, uh, less lead generation the last three months? What would be the reason? That's a call to, like, to feel. You know, I feel the pain that I'm not generating leads anymore. And that's an explicit call for people to comment. And another trick, if you have six tips on, I don't know, or six developments, you just ask your community, which development did I miss? Leave it in the comment. And people start like from their own expertise, start like the conversation discussion in the comments. So that's a more natural way to spark engagement. And that will seriously lead to more engagement as well. Okay. So all this time, does this apply to a page versus a personal profile? Is this all the same? I think for 80, 90%, yes, it does. There are some small differences. I mean, one of the things that we have seen, especially with individual profiles, is that if you publish a post and you nurture it, that means like in the first 15 minutes, 30 minutes, you respond to all the comments. Maybe you leave one or two additional comments yourself. You reach out to other content on the platform, you know, because LinkedIn, if you, before you publish your own post and directly after, engage with other people's content as a reward, LinkedIn brings more eyes to your content as well. And this is not entirely the same on a company page. There you don't need to do that heavy engagement before and after, okay? Because company pages, after all, are more static. But on an individual level, if you want to really see more reach and more engagement, start engaging before and directly after you publish and nurture your own post. And nurturing your own post means responding to all the comments, but also leave three or four tips or three or four facts. Don't put them in the original post, but leave them and put them in the comments after. So you continue more or less the story, which gives people more like hooks to like or comment even on your comments as well. Let's talk about the kinds of content we can create. And what I mean by kinds of content and the kinds of things we ought to be talking about, right? At the very top, you said one of the biggest mistakes is people talk about white papers or whatever, right? So what kind of content should we be creating in order to maximize the algorithmic reach? Are you talking about a format or are you talking about like content categories or pillars? Categories. Again, based on our own research, Michael, which we also have been doing since 2018, where we have looked into both individuals and companies that are really seeing a high percentage of engagement, there are more, more or less six different pillars, okay? Personal content, storytelling from a personal perspective is the best performing one. People love stories also on LinkedIn. So the first pillar, personal story, storytelling. The second pillar is thought leadership content, okay? This means that you're going to share your insights, you're going to share the white paper, you're going to share an article. This is the content that the silent community loves, okay? They start following you because they want your expertise. However, since they are not engaging, you get lower reach, lower reach, lower engagement, okay? Never make the mistake to stop doing that type of content 
because it's the consistency that will bring the conversion in the end. They need more time. The best example, Michael, if you have a new job, those are the posts that we all know, know that somebody like in front of all with his guys say, I'm leaving company A, I'm going to company B, and the world goes mad with engagement. Thank you for coming. Ah, you know, great to have you on the team. So this blows up. This is personal content. But if you publish a white paper, an article, you get less reach because the silent community. Third pillar, everything that is around events. So this can be events that you attend as an attendee, events that yourself are organizing, events that your company are organizing. And the good thing about event content is you have before, during, and after. So if I'm going to speak on a Congress, I create a post as an announcement. I create an impression during the event. And maybe one or two weeks after the event, I create a post, which is more or less a summary and a takeaway. Fourth pillar is what we call a user-generated content. Okay, so this is other people speaking about your services, your products, because that converts so much more to new leads than if you talk about your own product. So I'm talking about case studies, client testimonials, interviews with clients, even interviews with your employees, if it's from a recruitment or employer branding perspective. Fifth pillar, third-party content, okay? For example, I see this really cool article about LinkedIn on social media marketing, and I publish that article and I curate the content. I just go like, hey, found this really cool article about LinkedIn on social media marketing. This is my takeaway, and these are my additional insights, okay? This is a very important pillar, and it's more easy to do this on a personal page than to do it on a company page. Because a company page to borrow content from another company or another source, okay, that's normally, especially if it comes from a competitor, it's more tricky. And then the last one has everything to do, it's more a corporate pillar, it has everything to do with employee branding, employee advocacy. You know, show, humanize your brand, humanize your company. In, in the current labor market where it's very, very difficult, especially in, for example, IT to find new talent because like everybody's chasing them. We see that companies who are like opening up their company give people an insight. This is how our onboarding looks like. This is the career opportunities we have. But this is an interview with somebody who has been a developer for five years with our company. This type of content really performs well if one of your main goals is to attract new talent. Question on the thought leadership content. Can you give examples of what this is? Just so we understand what you mean by thought leadership. That was one of the pillars. Yeah, for, for my business, for example, it's the algorithm report. That's absolutely a piece of content that positions myself as a thought leader, as an expert. And that's the content for me that sees the higher conversion to new followers. Whenever we do that, I get about 10 to 15,000 new followers. And I'm not talking about, well, amongst those 10, 15,000 are a lot of my decision, a lot of CMOs, a lot of marketing directors, a lot of marketing managers. So that's an example. And another example could be like a trend paper. You know what I mean? That we say like, okay, this is how LinkedIn lead generation looked like in 2021. This is how it looks now. And these are the things that you really need to like get right in your company. So this type of content that positions you as the expert to go to in your network. Outstanding. Richard, thank you so much for illuminating us. I've taken a lot of notes over here and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have as well. If people want to follow you on the socials, I'm assuming LinkedIn is your preferred platform. How do they find you on LinkedIn? And then also, how do they find your company? So on my on LinkedIn, 
well, they just need to uh, go to my name, Richard Vanderblom, and uh, connect with me or follow me. Just real quick for those that are listening, Van space D-E-R space B-L-O-M. It's three separate, I guess, words, Van Der Bloom. That's correct. And another way to definitely reach out to me and also there on my socials is to go to my personal website, which is uh, www.richardvanderblom.com. And what if, people, what if people want to check out your agency? Yeah, then they go to justconnecting.com, which is more easily because it's like an English name. So www.justconnecting.com. But on my personal website, there's also a big button to go to that website as well. So, And on my LinkedIn profile, I have all the referrals to my websites as well. So they definitely will be able to check me out. Richard, thank you so much for coming on the show and answering all of my questions. We're way better because of it. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the copious notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 578. If you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram, at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter slash X. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.